0: Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm really glad that you guys are here. We're really excited about Lent here at the church. is going to be a really, really awesome season. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here, and I help take care of our church online. So sometimes I'll be up in our studio up there with our amazing team running like cameras and sound and switching and all the incredible things that happen. And if you're joining us online, I want to say a huge hello to you, and I want you to do something. I want you to type in the comments if you're watching online, and I want you to type one thing that you are grateful for from this past week. I'm really grateful to be able to chat with you guys about exploring Jesus and kind of this series that we've been going through as we've been reading the Gospel of Luke together and taking a look at who Jesus is. And just so you guys know, it's not too late for you to jump into our Luke readings. You haven't You've missed some, but it's never too late to jump in because there's always more for you to catch, so we would love to have you join us. You can go to ssc.church slash readings, and you can hop in right where we're at because we're about to go into a really incredible season. And today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 12. You're going to be hitting this passage midweek, and Jesus uses a story about a barn to communicate a point about where we find real, meaningful life and what it means for us to be fully alive. And as we read that together, why don't we all stand together? You guys can get up on your feet. This is a tradition of the church to honor the reading of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And here's what I would love for you to do here in-house and even at home, if you're watching online, when we hit the yellow parts on the screen, I want you guys to take over the reading and we can all read that together. Is that all right? Awesome. So here is what Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13 says. It says, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your all And Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And the man said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Before we dig into this passage today, can we take a second? Can we just close our eyes? Can we put some of our distractions aside? And can we just ask God to speak to us from this passage? Is that all right? God, thank you for a chance to bring your word, your good news, the gospel of your son Jesus to people that you love, people that you want a relationship with, and people that you want to point towards real life. God, I pray that you would speak through these words that Jesus spoke, that you would speak to us through the teachings that Luke has put together for us. And that you would show us what it means to be truly and really alive in you. I don't want to say a thing. I pray right now that I would stop and you would start. I pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So I've got a question for you. If you're here in-house, you can kind of nudge and whisper to the person beside you. If you're online, I'm going to ask you to actually be really, really brave for a moment, and I'm going to ask you to even type your answer into the comments. I've got a question for you guys. When you think about the future, what kind of things make you feel anxious sometimes? When you're thinking about the future, what kind of things make you feel a little bit anxious? What things make you feel a little bit nervous? What things make you feel a little bit stressed out? You know, a lot of things can make us start to feel anxious. I mean, maybe you're in university, you're trying to do some career planning. Maybe you've been in a career and you've got to replan. Maybe you're doing retirement planning. Maybe it's some family planning. You're trying to figure out what does God have ahead of me? Or what is this money situation that I'm coming up with? How am I going to move into my future? Or maybe if you're really honest, You're saying, I'm struggling with some of that loneliness. I'm wondering if I'm ever going to have real friendships in the future and people that really, really know me, people that really get me and understand me. A lot of stuff can make us anxious sometimes. And sometimes when we're trying to figure out the stuff of life, I think that sometimes what we do is we start to feel anxious and we start to reach for something that's going to bring us security, something that's going to bring us this sense Of security in our life. And, you know, for a long time, when I read this passage, I read this passage as being about materialism, being, you know, maybe about like consumerism or maybe even like hinting at some capitalism kind of stuff. You're like, okay, that's what Jesus is talking about. And what's really interesting is that at its core, yes, that's what this is about. But how many of you guys have ever walked in like partway through a conversation and you have like no idea what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, have you ever been walking by someone and they say something and you're like, what are they, actually, so my friend Cody and I, we used to walk around downtown Vancouver when I was going to school, and we would do this on purpose so that people would get, like, weird, like, out-of-context things. And it would just be really funny to see their reactions because they'd only hear, like, part of the conversation. Or one day I was standing at Starbucks, and I'm kind of there in line. These people are standing next to me, and they're talking. I'm waiting for my latte, and I'm like, mm, okay, whatever. And I hear the person next to me, and they go, so I shot him, and he wouldn't stay down. And I'm like... And he's like, man, so I shot him again. Wouldn't stay down. And I'm like, do I got to get like a SWAT team in here? Like, am I going to end up on like 60 minutes or something? Like, what's going on? Live at 5, here I come. Come to find out they were talking about Call of Duty, the video game. And there were like these two guys facing out. And I was like, oh, okay, 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 okay. See, here's what happens. Sometimes what happens when we read our Bible, we come in kind of partway through a conversation and we miss What's going on? We miss kind of the overall context. And when when I first read this passage, I thought, okay, this is about materialism. It's about kind of the things that we have. And that's true. That's what it's about. But it wasn't until we started exploring Jesus that I really started to appreciate some of the grander thought or some of the grander context that Luke is coming at here and some of the things that he's really lining up for us to see. Because what happens is this text sits in the middle of a section where Luke is trying to emphasize a perspective of being truly alive. And when we think about this section in its context, like with the flow of what Luke is saying and what he's putting together for us, we start to see this grander statement that's not only about materials and the stuff that we have we start to see this bigger thought it's part of this like overarching theme about security where we put our trust and how we can experience real life see what happens is this brother goes up to Jesus and he says my brother isn't going to share the inheritance with me Jesus you got to straighten him out and Jesus responds and basically what Jesus says is bro what do you want me to do Like, there's nothing I can do for you. Who made me a judge over you? But then Jesus takes this conversation, he leverages it, and he starts turning it into this teaching about where we can find real life. And he tells the crowd the story of a man with the barn. Things were going good for this guy. He lived in a great area that had this really great harvest, and naturally he starts to wonder, okay, where am I going to put all of this stuff? Things are going good for me. The grain is popping. My barns are like super, super full. I got more. What am I going to do with this? And then he says, well, okay, I guess the only thing I can really do is I got to build bigger barns. I got to build a bigger barn to put all this stuff in, and then once I do that, once I get enough in the barn, I can relax. I can say to my soul, eat drink, and be merry. And what I find interesting about this passage is that Jesus doesn't condemn the man's plan. Jesus doesn't call out like what he's doing. He doesn't say, what are you doing? Don't build a bigger barn. Why are you doing this? He's not angry at him. This guy's actually doing the smart thing. He's actually, he's not letting it go to waste. He's not doing anything dumb with this crop and just kind of like leaving it out in the sun. He's not hoarding it for himself to try and make a gain. What he's doing is the smart thing. Jesus actually didn't even say that he did anything wrong in order to get the crop in the first place. Like he didn't steal this crop. He didn't overtake anyone's land. He didn't come in like take over anything. It's the, it's the opening line of the parable. It just says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. It was just It's just the way that this was going, and I heard this passage, and I heard passages like this one, often used to criticize having stuff or having success or having possessions or, you know, the evil of possessions, but that's not entirely what this passage is. Is getting at. That's not exactly what the heart is here. What Jesus is really emphasizing here is the false security that we often try to manufacture or this sense of security that we try to convince ourselves that we have in the possessions. Once we have the things in the barn, we think, okay, if I can just get this job or if I can just kind of get myself on this kind of a career path, or if I can have this kind of a house, if I can get these things in order, if I can get my retirement plan figured out, if I can do these things, then I'm going to be secure, and then I'm going to be able to relax. I'm going to just live the life. I'm going to live the good life, and everything's going to be okay because I can just eat, drink, and be merry because I've got it in the barn. And what I find interesting is that our goal in life has very sneakily become to eat, drink, and be merry because we've got it in the barn. What Jesus is really going after in telling this parable is where we draw our security from. What Luke is putting together for us is a collection of teaching where Jesus is talking about the anxieties and the stress of life, and he's talking about one of our most basic and fundamental needs as human beings. And it's that need of security. It's that need of knowing that it's going to be okay. And what Jesus is getting at is he's saying, you don't need to look in some of these false places to try and find security. And you don't need to look in some of these false places in order to really find life. And it's this overarching theme that he's getting at because just a few verses before this, Jesus is talking, Luke records Jesus talking about not being afraid of people who can destroy our body or who can bring us harm because there's somebody who has the authority over what happens to our soul. He's saying that our security can't be found in our health, in our ability to kind of, you know, maintain our own well-being, our physical well-being, or our ability to even protect ourselves. After this passage that we just read, Luke records Jesus telling us not to be anxious about the physical. He says, Don't worry about your material needs, because there is a God who's outside of the physical realm, outside of the material, outside of the physical needs that we have, and he cares about you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants to provide for your needs. Luke records this section of his book to point you and I towards a more ultimate authority and to encourage us not to chase after false security or pleasure or even comfort. And I think that that's where a lot of us want to go. I think that's where a lot of us want to be because I think that somewhere we've decided that being truly alive is being secure and being comfortable and experiencing the pleasures of life. That's the ultimate good. That's the ultimate goal. That's what I want out of my life to eat, drink, and be merry. And I think that there's been this shift that started to happen where we don't just want, like, some of the luxurious things of life. Like, the focus for a lot of us probably isn't to have the great big house and the closet full of clothes and the garage full of cars and all of the things. I think when I asked you that question about what makes you anxious, I think a lot of those things were more about security than they were about experiencing these lavish possessions. And I think that's what a lot of us want because we've decided security and pleasure, that's the goal. That's what we want. And I think there's been this shift where some of the, you know, shiny, sexy things of life have kind of started to wear off a little bit. And we realize that that's not the ultimate goal. And I think that what we've actually done is we've shifted some of our desires away from wanting to have the barn full to wanting to have that conversation that the man has with his soul where he says, all right, you can relax, you can eat, you can drink, you can be merry, you can experience pleasures because you got it in the barn and you got it secure. I think some of us, we're not necessarily going over some of the luxuries of life. I think some of us, we think that the ultimate good in life is just for us to eat, drink, and be merry. When you think about the future, What kind of things start to make you anxious? I bet you a lot of it isn't that luxury. I bet you a lot of it has more to do with security. What's going to happen once I'm out of school? Am I going to get that job? Once I get that job, am I going to be able to turn that into a career? Once I get that career, am I going to be able to retire? Once I retire, am I going to be able to keep going? Am I going to be able to support myself into my later years? I think a lot of us, if we look around, we've started to make an idol, not just out of the barn, but out of the security that we think that the barn is going to provide. I wonder if we've reshaped our idol of luxury into an idol of security. I wonder if we've reshaped excess for ease. I wonder if we just hope to live the life. Oh, if I, if I can just get here, I can just relax. I'll just be living the good life. Oh, must be nice. Have you ever found yourself doing that? You watch someone, their Instagram story, or you watch them post like a TikTok or their Facebook or something, you see their album, and you just look and you go, must be nice. They're living the life. Oh, I see them. There they are on the beach with that colorful drink. Must be nice watching the sunset must be nice i see that i see that plain window must be nice i wonder if we've traded our hope for having these these lavish luxuries to simply just being able to live the life and just be secure and just say oh must be nice living the good life jesus tells us this parable and he addresses both he addresses both in one shot, he says that neither the luxuries or neither the living the life must be nice is going to make you truly alive. See, when Jesus tells this parable, he uses some really, really interesting words. In the parable, the rich man who's talking to himself, he says, he says to his soul. He says he's talking to his soul. And when he says soul, he uses this Greek word zoe, or psyche, sorry. He uses this word psyche. And the word psyche for soul, what it basically means is it's, just, it's the state of being alive. It's you are a living soul. This is where your feelings, this is where your emotions, this is where your affections and your desires come from. And he says, okay, that inner self, that state of being alive, that can relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But Jesus starts the parable by telling the crowd that we're all searching for this thing called zoe. And this word that we read together, life, is the Greek word zoe. And zoe is the absolute fullness of life. Real and genuine life. It's active. It's vigorous. It's it's not just the state of being alive. It is the state of truly living. It's the state of truly living life to its fullness. Active and vigorous. I like that word. What happens is Jesus starts telling the story, the story of a man who chased fulfillment in bigger, fuller barns. He tells the story of a man who invested in luxury but still couldn't find security. Someone who thought, if I could just get my hands on this, if I just had it in the barn, it'd be nice. If I could just live the life, if I could just get this, if I had this locked down, I could take it easy. And I could just enjoy and just relax, eat, drink, and be merry because life is easy. Some really good friends of mine gifted me a book called Sapiens. It's by Yuval Noah Harari. It's this bestseller and it's not a Christian book, but I found this quote really interesting. It says this, it says, the pursuit of an easier life results in much hardship. One of history's few iron laws is that luxuries tend to become necessities and to spawn new obligations. And then he goes on and he says, once people get used to a certain luxury, they take it for granted. Then they begin to count on it. And finally, they reach a point where they can't live without it. Did you catch the first part of that? The pursuit of an easier life results in much hardship. The pursuit of an easier life, it doesn't actually get easier once we get the thing that we think we're after. The pursuit of that secure kind of life, even the secular perspective realizes that security is elusive and it's a moving target. Luxury becomes necessity. And the barn that gets full needs to be built bigger and filled again, and needs to get built bigger and filled again so that tomorrow I can relax. Tomorrow I can eat, drink, and be merry. And tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow I can... But tomorrow never comes. And then comes the day where God says, you fool. Tonight Your soul is required of you. Tonight, you've lost the thing that you were truly seeking. Do you know what I find quite curious and a little bit ironic about this parable? How many of you guys have heard that saying, eat, drink, and be merry before? Yeah, you know, some of you guys got like one of those country signs in your kitchen that says, eat, drink, be married, right next to the gather, whatever. And it's like, okay, okay. Do you know what the other part of that phrase is? It's this really old phrase, and it was well-known back in the day. Do you know what the rest of it is? Eat, drink, and be merry. Who said it? For tomorrow we die. Do you see the irony? Do you see the irony of what this fool has actually left out Of his story. Do you see the irony in him saying, okay, tomorrow I can get it, tomorrow I can fill the barn, and then I'll eat, drink, and be merry? And God comes up to him and he says, You fool, tomorrow you die. Jesus goes after this and he addresses this. Foolish is the person who tries to achieve Zoe by amusing trying to satisfy the psyche. Foolish is the person who tries to reach real, true, abundant, vigorous life by just amusing the inner self, the feelings, the emotions, the wants, the desires. Foolish is that person. And like we read at the end of the passage, foolish is the one who lays up treasures for themselves and is not rich towards God. So what's the lesson? What does this passage say about Jesus? It says that Jesus is our ultimate security and our truest life. He is the better barn to invest in. Jesus is secure. <laughs> Stuff can amuse you. It might. You know what? It might even protect you. Stuff's not bad. Having stuff in the barn, it it might give you some protection in life. It might afford you some luxury. It might be nice. It might be good. But it can't fulfill you, and it definitely can't give you life. We've made peace. We've made order. We've made, you know, possession and experience. Those are the ultimate goal of life. Money can get you stuff. And stuff might be able to bring you a little bit of peace. And some of these quick securities might be nice for a bit, but ironically, it can't secure it. Jesus is our ultimate security and our truest life. Being truly alive isn't found by what's measuring in the barn. Being truly alive and experiencing real security isn't built by bigger, fuller barns because it's just going to have to get filled again and again and again. He's the better investment. He's the better barn. He's that ultimate security in this life and the next. And he is the truest form of life than anything. He's truer than anything we can build for ourselves. Before we close, why don't uh, why don't we stand and pray before we head out of here today? God, I pray that as we hit this passage again midweek, that we would reflect on where real security and real life come from. God, having Things, having plans, it's not bad, but don't let us mistake them for being truly secure and having things that ultimately matter and having things that lead to real, true life. Only you can do that. God, I pray that as we as we read this passage, as we read the passages before and after, that you would show us more of who you are, and God, that you would you would show us more of who you've made us to be and who you want us to be and the life that you want us to experience in you. God, as we respond to this passage, God, I pray that we would find people that we can share it with, that we can say you've been trying to build bigger barns, but I can show you where life is. And I want you to follow Jesus with me. I want you to come with me. I want you to be inspired by what I've found in this life and in this security that I've found in Jesus. God, help us to live this out and help us to share it with the people that are around us, the people who need real security and people who need real relationship, people who need real life. Pray this in Jesus' name and everyone sit amen guys come on back next week pastor Werner has an awesome message called rules of engagement it'd be great to have you there